Well, good morning. My name is Nick, in case you forgot. It's been a while. I'm one of the pastors here, I want to welcome you all to worship. I don't know who let David Olshine sit in the front row, but that's, we got to talk about that. That's, a, that's going to be a problem, right? Hey, we're in a series called Breakthrough. Don't you love the sound of that? Breakthrough? It just sounds good, doesn't it? Especially in January, right? There's something about the first of the year where, that I've noticed where you and I, we seem, seem to be a bit more focused, don't we? Like we're a bit more on top of our game. We're a bit more eager to experience some change in our life. Am I right? And then what's funny is if you noticed, in the next couple of weeks is typically when we start to run out of steam, though, isn't it? Right? Like the, the crowds at the gym start to thin out a little bit. Or, or maybe you bought some books around the holidays and you said you're going to read them, but you'll notice in a couple of weeks they, say they got some dust on them, right? Or you can't seem to find that calendar you swore you were going to use this year. I mean, for some of us, New Year's is actually just a, a little picture of how the rest of the year typically goes, right? Big ambitions, good intentions, but really poor follow through. Am I right? I mean, for anything like me, there's some, there's some places in your life where you feel stuck, does that feel right to you? And there's some places in your life where you feel stuck, right? Where you want to experience change, where you want to experience breakthrough. And this whole New Year's thing, it, it, what ends up happening is it becomes really easy to sort of grow cynical about all of it, right? Especially about the New Year's resolution part. Because the truth is, there's nothing new about any of them. We've been making the same ones for years. We start calling them our New Year's traditions. That feels a little more honest, doesn't it? But again, there's these places where we're stuck, where however we hard we try, we, we, we can't seem to break through. We can't seem to experience change. Like for me, I'll just get it out there for you. I'm currently trying to lose the same 25 pounds that I have lost and found at least five or six times. I mean, some of you, I mean, if you were to say where you feel stuck at, a lot of us in this room and our part of the world has to do with our weight. It has to do with our health. I mean, we're in this biggest loser competition right now at the church. We do this every year uh, at the beginning, beginning of the year. I won it the year before last, and I'm convinced I'm going to win it again. But it dawned on me, this is not the kind of competition you want to win more than once. <laughs> you don't want to be like the, you know, the two-time biggest loser champ, right? It's usually a sign that you lost it and you found it again. And I think all of us, we, we want to experience change. That's really what this series is all about breakthrough, right? How do we move into new territories? How do we experience, I love the way this sounds, the kind of change that lasts, the kind of change that sticks around for a while. And I share all of that to let you know I'm in this with you. I mean, I've had to work, prepare. I've had to get really honest with myself about some things. And I just want to share some of that with you now. And we've been looking at a, a, a passage of scripture, a time in Israel's history where they were really on the edge of breakthrough. They were right there. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, this brand new generation under the leadership of Joshua has made it to the edge of the promised land. They're right there. They can see it. And last week, Pastor Jeff, he walked us through chapter one of the book of Joshua. We talked about courage, right? It's this sort of mindset. It's this, it's this sort of frame of reference for, for what it takes to, to move into new territories and experience breakthrough. Well, this morning, we're going to be in Joshua chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. But Joshua chapter three is really where the rubber meets the road. Joshua chapter three is where the entire nation for the first time actually steps foot into the land 
of promise. You see, chapter one is where the resolution happened, right? They made their resolutions. Chapter three is where that resolution starts to become reality. And I'm calling this message gaining ground because that's when it gets hard, doesn't it? Man, you make the resolution, right? I'm going to get up every morning at 5.30. Make that resolution at like four in the afternoon. Sounds great, doesn't it? What happens at 5.30 when the alarm goes off? Bunch of snoozers, right? That's where I want to go this morning. How do you move from resolution to reality? Joshua chapter three, we're going to be in verse one. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Don't you love the sound of that? Let's jump down to verse 13. Verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, which is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the whole people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Let's go back to verse five. Can you put verse five up on the screen for me? Verse five. I'm going to read it again. So before this whole thing starts, Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves. Y'all say consecrate. Make sure you're awake. Say it again. Consecrate. I'm going to need you out there this morning, right? Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Consecration. Gaining ground has everything to do with consecration. Here's where it begins. In the Hebrew, it's this word kadash. And it literally means to make yourself holy, to set yourself aside. Here's how I understand it. To consecrate yourself means to orient yourself around the reality of God. Sort of point your soul towards God. To make your home there. To remind yourself of whose you are, and what your life is about. It's to orient yourself around the things of God. Now, this is so important, particularly when it comes to experiencing breakthrough, when it comes to gaining ground on those places where we feel stuck. Consecration is absolutely essential. Let me, let me, let me explain it this way. So I just got back from Israel about two weeks ago. I spent 10 days traveling around what is often referred to as the Holy Land. Right, an incredible experience. Highly recommend it. You ever get a chance to go over there? It'll it'll change your life. Spent a whole lot of time on an airplane, though. Whole lot of time on an airplane, and I don't really like being on an airplane. 
I mean, I'm not afraid of heights or anything like that, but I'm that guy that if I start thinking about it too much, like what's actually happening, it freaks me out. I mean, you're in something heavier than your house. It blows my mind, and it's floating. I mean, it's in the air, and there's nothing underneath of you for like thousands of thousands of feet. Does that freak anybody else out? I mean, it just shouldn't happen, right? I can't even jump like six inches off the ground, but we can get a big old plane to fly. It just freaks me out, right? And every time we took off an airplane, here's what I noticed. The sky was overcast, right? Like the whole sky looked gray. You know what I'm talking about? There's not even like big visible clouds. The whole thing just looks gray. Who knows what I'm talking about? Like, like today, right? It's just, just gray. But then I noticed you take off in the airplane and you start to climb. And eventually you find yourself right in the middle of those clouds, right? Right in the middle of that weather. And that's usually when the turbulence starts. You know who I am when turbulence happens? I'm the guy who's trying to act like he's fine, right? I'm the guy who's trying to act like he's not freaking out. And usually when you do that, when you're actually scared and you're trying to act like you're not scared, you overcompensate. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sitting there real still, real stoic, just trying to look. I'm good. I'm good. But usually I give myself away when somebody talks to me. So this poor guy on the way home, hey, he's looking over. My knuckles are probably white. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. You just talk really loud, right? That's me on an airplane when there's turbulence. And so you're climbing, right? You're climbing. You're in the clouds. You continue to climb. What eventually happens? What happens to those clouds? You get above them, don't you? Eventually, you climb high enough and you actually go above the clouds. What's the sky look like there? What color is it? It's blue, isn't it? It's clear. It probably looks something like this. And you climb high enough to where you're above the clouds and the sky is just crystal clear. It's beautiful, isn't it? And here's where it hit me. You know what's funny? Particularly when you're flying in the daytime. Let's keep that picture up for a second. That never changes. The sky is always that color. Right now, you know what color the sky actually is? It's blue. What's it look like from down here? Does it look blue? No, it's gray, right? You see, life above the clouds never changes. It's constant. The sky is always blue. But life beneath the clouds, the only constant is change. Sometimes there's clouds. Sometimes it's gray. Sometimes it's raining and you don't want to get out of bed. Everybody at home watching online right now. Am I right? But but what's the thing we know? Especially here. Stick around. It's going to be different in a while. It's going to change. And the only constant about life beneath the clouds is that it's not constant. See, here's what consecration is about. Consecration is about learning to make your home above the clouds. It's about learning to live from this place that doesn't change all the time, that isn't reactionary, that's constant, that's true. It's about learning to make your home in the reality of God, the truth of who God is and what God has promised us. You see, and this is why it's so important when it comes to breakthrough, when it comes to actually gaining ground. Because what I know is this, whenever you set out to do something new, something different, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to feel normal. Anytime you set out to do something good, something healthy, can I tell you, tell you what? It's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard. 
And you can have your plans, right? You should. You can be prepared. But things are going to happen that you're not ready for. In some way, shape, or form, things aren't going to go according to your plans. Can I get an amen to that? I'm 34 years old. I'm not old, but I'm not young. I've learned one thing in life, one lesson, I know this for sure, is that life happens. Things come at us that we're not ready for. Things that come at us that don't make any sense. See, learning to live above the clouds is not about ignoring that. It's not about acting like it isn't a big deal or that it isn't hurt or it isn't confusing or that it isn't frustrating. No, that's what I'm talking about. Learning to live above the clouds is about putting all that into proper perspective. Because see, often what we do is we allow the clouds to determine what we believe about the sky. Usually we, we, we tend to allow our circumstances or what we're going through to determine what we believe is true or what the right thing to do is. And when this happens, our life becomes one big reaction. We just react to whatever's coming our way. I mean, t- seriously, so like if things are good, we're good. And we're probably not even really thinking about God that often or, or what's important or what matters. We're just going about our business. We're, we're punching in, we're punching out, we're making the money, we're buying the stuff, we're feeding our kids. Things are great. But then all of a sudden, when something bad happens, what do we do? Ah! Where are you, God? You're never there when I need you. Why is this happening? Where are you? I can't handle this. Where were we before the storm? Where were we before things got difficult? See, consecration is about learning to live your life above the clouds. There's this lie out there. It goes something like this. That if you trust Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you say yes to him, you say this prayer, right? You do this little dance or whatever it is, then, then Jesus is going to make sure nothing bad ever happens to you, right? And, and if you just have enough faith, if you pray hard enough, nothing bad will ever happen. And if something bad does happen, then that probably means you didn't have enough faith. You ever heard anything like this before? Can I tell you what that is? It's a lie. It's Garbage. Garbage. I mean, Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps the most influential sermon ever preached, right? You know how he finishes it? He wraps it up by telling the story about these two houses, right? One house is built on the sand. This is the person who does not take seriously the things of God, right? So they're, they're listening to Jesus, and it sounds like, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, whatever, right? They go on about their business, right? Then there's the person who builds their house on a rock, And this is the person who takes very seriously the things of God. This is the person who not only hears Jesus, but actually puts his words into practice. You know what happens next in the story? A storm hits them both. A storm hits both of them. You see, where you build your house has nothing to do with whether or not bad things are going to happen to you. It's like one of the points of the story is, hey, guess what? bad things are going to happen to you. And the hope that we have in Jesus isn't that life won't be hard or that bad things won't happen. The hope that we have in Jesus is this, is that when it gets hard, we don't have to fall apart. And the story, the house built on the sand doesn't make it. The house built on the rock is left standing. What's consecration look like to you? What does this look like? for you? How do you do it? I mean, I think for some of us, man, there's a first time for everything, right? Maybe we've never done this. Maybe we've always been living beneath the clouds. We've never actually trusted Jesus with our life. Maybe that's the first thing that needs to happen for some of us this morning. Others of us, you know, we did that a long time ago, but but what's it look like on a regular basis? 
on a regular, ongoing basis. Because notice, Joshua tells the people to consecrate themselves today for what's going to happen tomorrow. Do you see that? It's preparatory. Jesus tells a story about the person building their house on a rock before the storm. It's a bad idea to try to build your house on a rock in the middle of a storm. What are you doing right now? Because what I've learned about life, too, is that you're either in the middle of a storm, you're coming out of one, or you're about to go into one. It's life. If you're doing it right, it's probably going to be a little hard. What does consecration look like for you? I mean, for me, even getting, you know, coming back from Israel, how often do you get to start a new year with a pilgrimage, right? I mean, it's pretty cool. I got to go to this place. I started off the new year. So I had all these big goals, right? All these ambitions. Man, this year is going to be amazing, right? I'm going to do everything I said I'm going to do. I'm going to live into all this stuff. And it was fine until I got home. And then all of a sudden, you, you ever feel yourself getting like reachy, getting reactionary? It's like, I'm grounded, I'm settled. Then you walk into your first uncomfortable situation, you forget about all that stuff. And it's like, Aah! right? So what I've had to do, I've had to stop myself. I go, go back to that image. Go put that image up one more time. I hold this image in my mind. In that moment, in that very moment, I stop myself and go, wait, 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 wait. What's true? What's, what's the truest thing I know? It's like, God is good. God is with me. I can handle this. Wouldn't it be awesome to live a non-reactionary kind of life? I'm telling you, this is what Jesus offers us in the gospel, but it requires us to trust, to make our home there, to live from that place. So gaining ground requires consecration. We're not done yet. Y'all still awake out there? This is what I'm, I'm seeing some of you like this. I don't know if you're interested or you're just like you're thinking about other things, but I see you. You know that, right? I can see you very well. <laughs> Let's go back to Joshua. Joshua chapter three. How am I doing, Olshine? Am I all right? Okay. I might tag you here in a second. You can finish. Joshua chapter three, verse five. Let's go back there. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. God, I love that word. Amazing things among you. In the Hebrew, it's this word palah. Sometimes it's translated as wonders. One scholar said this about the word. Amazing things are stunning feats that only God can do. Deeds so incredible as to leave their witnesses gasping. You know what gasping is, right? <gasps> wow. That's amazing things. You see, gaining ground. It's about consecration, but it's also about expectation. Notice God didn't say, hey, consecrate yourselves, all right? Consecrate, because tomorrow, I'm going to just do some all right things. Maybe <laughs> be kind of, meh. you know, you'd probably be bored. You probably shouldn't get out of bed. Just go ahead and sleep in. No, what would God say? Tomorrow, I'm going to do amazing things. Tomorrow, I'm going to blow your mind. I mean, some of us, the problem is we've settled for all right when God wants to do amazing. I'd argue that a lot of us in this room, one of the reasons we're struggling to experience breakthrough in some of these areas in our lives is because we've stopped believing it's possible. We've just accepted the mess for how it is. We've just said, you know what, why bother? It's just, it's just it's how it is. I'm just going to deal with it. I'm just going to roll with it. Breakthrough is about expanding our expectations. 
And God is doing something really interesting. Y'all get, wake up for this. This gets really cool, right? I need you to stay with me. In the opening parts of Joshua, God's doing this really cool thing. And it's kind of hard to see it when you're just in one chapter. You have to step back and look at it from a big picture perspective. But all around the beginning of Joshua, God is having the people reenact these events, these important events from 40 years earlier, right? When, from when God first called the people out of Egypt. The, the Exodus story, right? When Charleston Heston went to Pharaoh, I mean, Moses, Some of y'all got that joke. (laughs) Right? It does these amazing things, rescues the people. They're wandering through the wilderness. What God does in Joshua, though, is he has the people reenact some of these same events from 40 years earlier. For instance, in chapter 2, God tells the people to send two spies out into the land, just like he did 40 years earlier. Right? Then in chapter 3, he has the people perform circumcision. If you don't know what that is, ask your neighbor. I'll wait. Or just Google it later. Don't do that. He has them celebrate Passover, right? And then chapter 3, in the, in, the, in the passage we just looked at, God has them walk through the parted Jordan River. He parts the river they walk through on dry ground. Does that sound familiar? It's like what God did with Moses, right? In the Red Sea. God's reenacting some of these important events from 40 years earlier, from the first generation. What's God doing? He's telling them, my promises are still available to you. My future is still available to you. The failure of the past has not disqualified you from the blessings of my future. There's something else going on here, too. In chapter 5, turn over to chapter 5. This is so cool. You're going to love it. Chapter 5, verse 11. So they've already crossed over. Listen to this. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. Unleavened bread and roasted grain. Verse 12. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Y'all know what manna is? Manna is the weird bread God provided while they were wandering in the wilderness. Right? So the people are wandering, they don't have enough food, and they're complaining. And so God makes his bread miraculously appear every morning. It's this weird, gooey stuff. In fact, manna means, what is it? That's what it means. Literally means, what is it? Some, some dude woke up one morning, walked out of his tent, saw loaves of bread, weird gooey bread laying all over the ground. It's like, what is it? And so they decided just to call it that. Let's just call it, what is it? Right? That's what it is. Literally, it's kind of funny, right? And so manna is what they ate while they were wandering in the wilderness. But guess what? They're not wanderers anymore. Now they're conquerors. The manna stopped because this was a new generation. Manna was the food of the folks who let fear get the best of them. Manna was the food of the ones who, who, who failed to really believe in God's promises. And so they spent the rest of their lives wandering in the wilderness. This is God's way of saying, guess what? You're not them. You don't have to do it the way they did it. You don't have to make their mistakes. History is not one big cycle where we just constantly make the same mistakes. History is linear. We can change. Things can change. If this doesn't get you excited or wake you up, then go get more coffee, okay, because I'm wasting your time. This is one of the central truths of the gospel, folks. I mean, maybe you're here today, and, and you're here because somebody, you know, bribes you with lunch afterwards, and, and you're not really sure what this whole Jesus thing is about. Let me explain it to you as simply as I can. Here's what we believe. We believe that because the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, today doesn't have to be like yesterday. 
We believe that things can change, that people can change, that our world will change. We're on our way there right now. And that's good news, isn't it? That is such good news. And one of the reasons why so many of us struggle to really experience change is because we gave up a long time ago for believing that it could ever happen. Some of us are wildernesses, those places where we feel stuck. You know what they are? They're self-fulfilled prophecies. They're just the result of these things we've been telling ourselves for years. We've just lived into it. That's what happens with our expectations. We actually live into our expectations. Somebody once said it like this, your expectations of today will become tomorrow's reality. The book of Proverbs says it like this, Proverbs 23, verse seven, as a person thinks in their heart, so they become. You see, when you keep telling yourself that the marriage is over, that your spouse is never gonna get it, I got good news for you. You get to be right. You keep telling yourself that, you're probably going to get to be right. It's going to happen. You're going to live into that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you tell yourself that no matter how hard you try, you're going to make the same mistakes as your parents. You're going to turn out just like them. Guess what? You're probably going to be right. You're going to do it. When you tell yourself that it's never going to get any easier, that it's always going to be this hard, that you're never going to gain any ground, you're never going to experience breakthrough, chances are you're going to get to be right. Go ahead and pat yourself on the back for that. If we're going to get anywhere, we have to allow God to elevate our expectations, to change what we believe is possible. Here's what it looks like for me. So I'm trying to lose the weight. I think I've shared with you a bit of my relationship with something called Whole30. I've talked about it before. Anybody heard of Whole30 before? Whew. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's a 30-day cleanse, right, to try to get your self-control muscles, you know, flex them a little bit and to get rid of all your sugar demons. I got a lot of sugar demons, right? I have successfully completed one whole 30 in my life. One of them. Guess how many I've tried? Probably 10. 10. And every time I, I go to do one, I take this piece of paper. I'm a visual guy. Piece of paper, and I write the numbers 1 through 30 on this piece of paper, and I circle them. And every day that I eat clean, I get to cross one off. And it just feels good, right? I like seeing it. So I get back from Israel. I'm sitting down, you know. Remember, this is my year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take over. I'm going to do it all. I got it. This is my year. I'm writing, that, writing the numbers down, and this little voice in the back of my head is like, what are you doing? Really? You're going to do this again? Why waste another piece of paper? Go get the one you just threw away in the trash. <laughs> you ever had that happen before? Really? You're, you're, you're going to try to fix the marriage again? Really? You're, you're going you're to go back to school again? You're going to try to have that conversation again? You're going to try to lose, really? Come on. You know what gaining ground is about sometimes, and expectations? It's about being willing to make the list, make the numbers again. It's about being willing to show up again. It's about being willing to try again, believing that all things are possible. See, our, our hope is in resurrection. You know what resurrection is? Life beyond death. Victory over death. We don't get the option of despair. It's not an option for us as followers of Jesus. We show up believing it's going to be hard. It may not turn out the way that I want it to, but man, in the end, God gets the last word. God gets the final say. It's about being willing sometimes to sit down and write those numbers again. Even if I have to start over tomorrow, keep doing it. 
Keep doing it. There's some people in here, and I know folks who, who don't want to get married. They've been in a relationship for a long time, and they're, they're refusing to get married because they think no matter how hard they try, their marriage is going to turn out just like their parents' marriage. You've got to allow God to elevate your expectations. Allow God to expand what you believe is possible. One more insight. Go back to the text. We're not done yet. There's some more going on here. I do not want us to miss it. Joshua chapter three, look at verse six this time. Verse six. So Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now jump down to verse 13. And as soon as the priests, this is God still giving them instruction. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. You ever seen a river at flood stage? I remember a couple years ago, right? When we had the flood here. What's that look like? scary? It's pretty scary, right? It's a whole lot of water moving pretty fast. Just keep reading. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. Okay, hold on. Time out. The water didn't part until the people stepped in it. I'm going to say it again. The water did not part until the priests put their foot in it. You see, breakthrough, gaining ground, it's about consecration. It's about expectation. Final point, it's about participation. Notice God didn't say to the people, oh, man, you sell this water? I'm so sorry about all the water. I'll tell you what, I don't, don't do anything. Stay where you're at, okay? And what I'll do, I'm going to get rid of all this water real quick. I'm going to take it all away for you. So you don't have to look at it. You don't got to think about it. You don't got to have nothing, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, take away all your questions. I'm going to take away all of your doubt, all of your fears. I'm going to fill in all of your blanks. I'm going to show you how it's going to go. I'm going to give you a 20-year plan, right? I'm going I'm to cross all your T's. I'm going to dot all your I's. And then, and then you can do the next right thing. Now, what's God say? Hey, you see that river? <laughs> it's a flood stage. It's big, isn't it? Look at all that water. It was like a cow floating by. You see that thing? It's moving pretty fast. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in it. Go ahead. Put your foot in it and watch what happens next. Because here's the thing. If you want to get to where you've never been, you've got to do what you've never done. If you want to get to where you've never been, you've got to do what you've never done. You see, it's real simple. Some of us in this room, we're miserable right now. There's something in our life and it's making us miserable. But for whatever reason, we're not doing anything to change it. It's like the, the often quoted definition of insanity. You've heard this before. You can probably finish it for me, right? What's the definition of insanity? Insanity is doing the same thing, but what? Expecting different results. You know that because it's true, and it happens all the time. It's like people are living in this mess, and they want things to be different, but they keep doing things the same way. It's like some of you, it's your finances. You get to the end of the month, and there's so much anxiety. 
And you know, this is what's frustrating. You know you make enough money to pay your bills. You just don't know where the money's going. It's just gone. And so you get to the end of the month and you're worried, you're freaking out because you don't know where the money's going. And you tell yourself, you know what? Next month, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. But you don't do anything different. And so you just keep repeating it over and over and over again. And if that's you, do something different. Jump into Financial Peace University. Starts off Wednesday night, this Wednesday. Right? So many people have experienced financial freedom because they've, they've learned how to manage their money differently. Some of us, what, what do you got to do? Something different. Join a gym. Do something different. Yeah, sadly, often it, the, the pain of remaining the same, in order for things to actually change and move, the, the pain and the frustration from staying where we're at has to get way higher than the pain it's going to take to change it. That's some of us in this room. We've been there for a long time. My question for you this morning is simple. What are you going to do differently? What sort of new things are you going to introduce into your life that will have different results? This is my last point to keep in mind right here. Is that big breakthroughs often begin with really small steps. Big breakthroughs often begin with really small steps. It's like me and, and wanting to get back in shape. When I was traveling, you know, sitting around a lot, so you feel kind of squishy, right? You just feel squishy sitting around, and you're getting kind of stiff. And so one night in a hotel, I was really frustrated. I was like, you know, I'm doing a workout right here in my room, doing a workout. And so I start, you know, this workout I come up with, and part of it was 10 push-ups. I do 10 push-ups, and I'm just fried. I'm like, done. I was so frustrated because there was a time in my life I bench-pressed 450 pounds. I don't tell you that to brag. That's a lie. I'm bragging a little bit, okay? But you know how frustrating that was? Like, I can't, I should be able to do 10 push-ups. And you almost just want to quit, right, before you even get started. This is, this is I'm done, you know? You know, you know what it is? Do the 10 push-ups. Just start there. That crappy mile you ran is better than the one you didn't. Often what we have to do when we're, when we're sort of confronted with how, how much of a distance, that's what happens, right? We, we get confronted with there's this thing we want to see change. There's this place we want to get to. And often when, once you start, you get overwhelmed by how far you have to go, don't you? The only way to get there is one step at a time. One victory at a time. I mean, it's like with Joshua. I mean, the, the, the first several chapters are about a God getting them prepared. The rest of it is 24 chapters of them taking the land one victory at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Here's an image that might help. It, might, it reminds me of playing football in high school. I was a lineman. Anybody, any ex-lineman in the room? Make some noise because we, we never get called out, right? It's always the other guys. Any lineman? Let me see him. Raise your hand. Do something. All right, I see you. We spent a whole lot of time in the summers on one of these, didn't we? Sled. We got a picture of it somewhere. Yeah. Whole lot of time in the summer spent on a sled if you were a lineman. And the goal was simple. You had to hit it and you had to move it from point A to point B as fast as you could. And typically there'd be a coach or two sitting on the back and be weighted down, right? And because you wanted to move this thing as fast as you could to go get some water or something like that, you would, the temptation was to hit that thing and to just run, right? Hit it and run like normal. Get that thing to move. If you hit a sled like that, guess what? It's not going anywhere. If you want a sled to move, what's the first thing you got to do when you hit it? You got to start chopping your feet. You got to start chopping your feet. You got to get those feet moving fast. You got to take a bunch of short little steps, not big long ones, little steps over and over and over again. After a while, guess what? Guess what? Get your feet chopping. Guess what? That sled starts to move, doesn't it? 
starts to move a little bit. Maybe not as fast as you want it to at first, but it starts to move a little bit. And then you get your feet chopping a little bit faster. And before you know it, you're taking long strides. That sled is moving so fast that coaches have a hard time hanging on to it. And for a lot of us in this room, it's time to start getting your feet chopping. It's time to do something. Maybe it's small. Get your feet chopping. Cut up the credit card. Stop putting sugar in your coffee in the morning. Get your feet chopping. Maybe you need to send in your resume to that place. Maybe you need to fill out an application. Maybe you need to sign up for the class. Whatever it is, get your feet chopping. Buy her flowers. Say you're sorry. Make the phone call. Whatever it is, get your feet chopping. Now think about the couple who's here today. And you haven't been sleeping in the same room for months, have you? And it's cold. And the distance between the two of you, man, it feels like forever. What would happen if one of you right now reached over and held the other's hand? Is that going to fix everything? No. But it gets your feet chopping. It's a step in the right direction. It's an attempt. It's something. What's that look like for you this morning? Here's what I want us to do right now. I want to invite you to stand up. Stand up. We're not finished. So please, don't leave. Remember, I can see you, okay? And wherever you think you got to rush off to, unless it's an emergency, I promise you, it's not as important about, as what could happen right now in this moment. Don't miss it. Don't waste it. You hear in a few moments, the band's going to lead us through one last song, and we're going to spend the first parts of that song asking God to speak to us. And what I want you to do is just open yourself up to the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to speak to you. What's the next right thing that you need to do when it comes to experiencing breakthrough? Some of us in this room, we already know. We've known for a long time. We just haven't done it yet. Maybe ask God to bring that to the front of your mind, to hold it there. Some of us in this room, we're so overwhelmed with this thing in front of us, we have no idea what to do. I want to invite you, encourage you to trust. If you give God an opportunity, God will speak. So in these moments, as we sing through this song, open yourself up to the Spirit. Let the Spirit speak to you. Maybe reveal to you, what is that next right thing? And then there's some of us in this room, and we, this whole thing seems silly to us. We gave up on breakthrough a long time ago. Do me one favor. Have the courage to ask God to disrupt you to wake you up, to remind you of what's possible, to rescue you from all right, and to get you to believe in amazing again. We're going to spend the first few moments of the song just doing that. Sing, be with God, allow God to speak. And then after that, Grace Marie is going to invite you to come forward, to come down here to the front, because there's some decisions that we make that require us to move, to do something, to get the ball rolling, to start we're going to invite you to come down here at the front. And as that crowd gathers, once the song is over, I'm going to pray over everyone. Pray that this morning isn't just another one of those mornings that, you know, church was good. It was great. It was fine. Yeah. Somebody, oh, worship was great. Whatever. That's awesome. What I want this morning to be is a couple of years from now, when you're in breakthrough, a couple of years from now, when you're in new territory, you look back on this Sunday. Not as when everything happened at once, but this Sunday is when it all started. That was the moment it started. And my thing is, if you won't do that in here, 
If you won't come down front here, what are the chances you're actually gonna do that thing out there? And so when Grace Marie invites you to come forward, I wanna ask you to come forward so I can pray with you. But right now, let's meet with God. Jesus, speak to us.